This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 222. So, since today is Sunday, February 6th, 2022, as usual, I'm doing the latest weekly news and rumors roundup from the big four rumor sites of Canon Rumors, Nikon Rumors, Fuji Rumors, and Sony Alpha Rumors. Now, I did want to let my listeners know before we start, there is a sad story to wrap up the Canon Rumors segment for this week, and I'll tell you about that when I get to the story. It's really disappointing and discouraging, but hopefully Canon Rumors will still be around and hopefully in the same format that it is currently. So with that said, let's head on over to Canon Rumors and see what they have for us this week. Let's do this. First up, Canon USA increasing prices on select RF and EF lenses. Due to the ongoing pandemic and manufacturing challenges, Canon USA has increased pricing on select RF and EF mount lenses. Some dealers may still be selling these items at the previous prices until they deplete their stock purchased in the past. First up is the RF 24-105 F4L ISUSM, now $12.99, a $200 increase. Next is the RF 70-200 F4L ISUSM, now $17.99, a $200 increase. Next is the RF 100-500 F4-71L ISUSM, now $28.99, a $100 increase. The RF 600mm F11 ISSTM is now $799, a $100 increase. The RF 800mm F11 DO ISSTM is now $999, which is a $100 increase. The EF 16-35 F4L ISUSM is now $1299, a $200 increase. The EF 24-105 F4L IS2 USM is now $1299, a $200 increase. The EF 35mm F1.4L Mark II, now $19.99, a $200 increase. The EF 70-200 F4L IS-2 USM is now $14.99, a $200 increase. The EF 85mm F1.8 USM is now $4.99, an $80 increase. And last is the EF 200-400 F4L ISUSM Extender 1.4 times is now $11,999, a $1,000 increase. If you're in the market for any of these lenses and you see the old prices, now is probably the time to pull the trigger. We can also expect future refurbished lenses to increase in price as well. And this isn't all that surprising due to the ongoing shortage of semiconductors and other parts of the manufacturing process. The camera companies have to come up with some way to make money during this crisis, so increasing the prices is not all that surprising. Next up is the Canon EOS R7, the next camera to be announced. This is a CR2. A source with a pretty solid record has chimed in about coming EOS R cameras based on my report last week about three new RF mount cameras, not including Cinema EOS. 
that the Canon EOS R7 is likely the next camera to be announced. The announcement, I have been told, could come as early as March of this year. No specifications or other details are currently known, but I'm hoping more will come in the next little bit. Please remember, announcement dates for products can be affected by the current manufacturing challenges. Stay tuned as there will be more to come. Now, it does, in my opinion, from a logic standpoint, make sense that the EOS R7 could be the next camera announced, but I'm not going to bet the farm on that because Canon does have a history of once in a while throwing us a curveball. I was expecting the EOS R1 to be announced, and instead they announced the R3, which I wasn't expecting at all. Nobody in the market was expecting it. And I think that was because, like some other people have suggested, they decided they wanted to put even more into an R1 flagship, especially after the release of the Sony Alpha 1 and the Nikon Z9. So we'll have to wait and see. Will the EOS R7 be the next camera? Possibly. Logically, it makes sense, but whether or not that's going to happen, we'll have to wait and see, as always. Next up, new reports about the next Cinema EOS camera have surfaced. Rumors of the next Canon Cinema EOS camera have started to hit the inboxes of like sites. This one I haven't heard anything about previously, so please treat it accordingly. The name for the camera is suggested to be the EOS C5, which would be a new line of Cinema EOS cameras from Canon. Below are the rumored specifications from Canon Watch. The camera is a combination of the EOS R5C and the EOS C300 Mark III, similar in appearance to the EOS R5C, but more square with the electric ND filter of the EOS C300 III, the professional interface of the EOS C70, and an extended battery compartment. Its XF-AVC recording format is the same as the EOS C70, but it uses a modified version of the EOS R5C CMOS sensor with a total of 22.5 megapixels. With a sampling resolution of 8192 by 2160, it is capable of perfect oversampling to 4K, 120 frames per second, making it Canon's current 4K, 120 frame per second product with the best image quality. When the frame rate is reduced to 72 frames per second or less, DGO mode is turned on to provide a higher dynamic range. Unlike the current EOS C70, it does not offer raw recording for now. Full pixel QPAF, quad pixel autofocus, and raw internal recording and subsequent firmware. In terms of photography, it no longer offers a mechanical shutter and is replaced by in-body image stabilization. If this post brings about more information, I will obviously update you all at that time. Next up, maybe we have already talked about the Cinema EOS C5 when it was the Cinema EOS C50. Yesterday, I posted about a rumor of the Canon EOS Cinema e, uh, C5. As mentioned, it was the first time that I had heard about such a camera. I may have been wrong about that once I dug back on past Cinema EOS C50 reports from back in 2020. The original rumored specifications were impressive at the time, but less so in 2022. There is a chance that the EOS C50 may have morphed into a different product, namely the EOS C5. 
the Canon Cinema EOS C50 specs as rumored in 2020. Super 35K sensor, same as the Cinema EOS C200. No IBIS, RF mount, internal ND, 10 stops, C-Log 2 and C-Log 3. 420 8-bit internally on SD cards up to 4K60 and 1080p120. A 422 10-bit external in HD. No RAW, dual LPE6NH battery slots. The Canon Cinema EOS C5, rumored in 2021. The camera is a combination of the RC, uh, 5R, uh, R5C and the EOS C300 Mark III. Similar in appearance, yada, yada. I'm not going to read all of that part again because I just covered it in the previous article. Now, following up, I have previously reported that products have been canceled due to the pandemic. I imagine products Canon believed have probably gone back to the engineers to develop technologies to match the year they eventually come to market. Canon would also have more market data and customer feedback collected during all of the delays in products. I think there's been enough smoke about this type of product from Canon for a bit to becoming to be becoming a product, whether it's called the EOS C5, EOS C50, or perhaps both. I hope to learn more about in the next little bit and put it all together for you. So that is it for that story. It is interesting. It is a possibility that the C5 could be the previously rumored C50. Only time will tell. Next up, patent impressive super telephoto L zoom lenses for the RF mount. It was inevitable that Canon would be bringing at least one big super telephoto zoom lens like the EF200-400 F4L ISUSM 1.4 times to the RF mount lineup. And this patent unearthed by Keith at Northlight Images shows Canon is working away at such lenses. USPTO patent US 2022-0035144 shows the following optical formulas. A Canon RF 150-600 F5-63L. A Canon RF 200-400mm F4L. A Canon RF 200-500mm F4L. And a Canon RF 300-800mm F8L. The designs contain a lot of elements, so there are definitely big whites and not more affordable lenses. These are big whites anyways. I could definitely see Canon releasing more than one of these types of lenses in the future, perhaps alongside the Canon EOS R1. And that would absolutely make a lot of sense, especially if they come out with something like the 200-400 or the 200-500L, or even possibly the 150-600L. I could see any of those lenses being announced alongside an R1 flagship mirrorless body. Next up, all but one RF lens is in stock at Canon USA, including the Canon RF 28-70 F2L USM. Canon has restocked all but the RF 100-500 F45-71 L ISUSM. I'm sure the new stock levels aren't the greatest, so if you're in the market and living in the United States, now's the time to pull the trigger. Both the RF 5.2mm f2.8 L dual lens fisheye VR and the RF 28-70 f2L USM are in stock. And you can find all of these lenses at the Canon RF section of the Canon USA website. And last up for Canon Rumors for this week, that's all folks, for me anyway, Canon Rumors will live on. I knew I'd be making this post one day, and I figured it would make me sad. I was wrong about the latter. 
The last 24 hours have been some of the most horrible hours of my life. Now, this is from February 4th. This has sort of been in the works for about the last year or so. I haven't had much fun with this site over the last two or three years. A new demographic of people have exhausted me. I think a lot of this change started with the proliferation of YouTube personalities over the last five years. Nothing is about information anymore. It's only about who is saying it. This is true for all forms of media, and I really don't want to be a part of it. So those last 24 hours, I don't care if anyone comes at me. I'm a big boy, and very few of you would ever say it to my face, so I generally don't care about the cowards and fanboys. However, yesterday, they came at my children and my wife. They came at my family. Little fanboys of certain YouTubers that have obviously been raised horribly. What was in my inbox, I won't even show my wife. I'm tearing up writing this with absolute disgust for how horrible people are becoming. All of this is created by the personalities. I refuse to call them creators. They feed off of it. They profit off of it. And they don't care. I have, over the years, had to deal with blowback from things said on other websites and on YouTube channels. Yesterday was the tipping point. There are so many liars, grifters, and generally awful people polluting this niche niche little industry. I remember the days when it was just three or four of us. We all talked and supported each other. Then the copycats came, then social media, then YouTube. I'm terrified about what comes next. Those original folks I still talk to to this day. They're genuine and wonderful people. You know who you are, and I will obviously reach out in person. Not everyone is bad, but it used to be a tiny minority, but that minority is growing way too fast for me to keep up, and I'm exhausted. For those offended by my colorful language on social media yesterday, I'm unapologetic. I wear my heart on my sleeve for better or for worse. So what's next for Canon Rumors? Well, Canon Rumors will live on with new ownership. I have two interested buyers and a preferred buyer. We will work out the details and transfer of ownership over the next month or two. It's a bigger undertaking than one might think, and I'm sure there are things I haven't even thought about yet. This will be my last post on this site. There will be two new writers taking over next week, doing the daily posts and updates. I will just be forwarding the information to them. Once the ownership change is completed, the new owner may keep things the same or change it up. I have done this for 14 years and had so many fun times and met so many amazing people. That just doesn't happen as frequently anymore, and that really makes me sad. Well, I have nothing profound to say, so I will just sign off. Yours truly, Craig, the Canon Rumors guy. And that's extremely sad, and it really bums me out to see that Craig is giving up Canon Rumors. He poured his heart and soul into this site for the last 14 years. He's a really great guy, and I think it's horrible that cowards on social media have been attacking his wife and children. People these days just don't have any common sense. They have no courtesy, no decency, and they're being raised as barbarians. That's all I'm going to say on the topic. All right, now we're going to head over to Nikon Rumors and see what they have for us for this week. First up, the Nikon D500 is now officially discontinued. 
Two weeks ago, I reported how the Nikon D500 was listed as discontinued and is out of stock at many major retailers around the world, and now the APS-C DSLR camera is already officially listed as discontinued or an old product on the official Nikon Japan website. Amazon still has a few Nikon D500 listings, mainly gray market and refurbished. This is just another nail in the DSLR coffin, and I guess the D850 will be next. Nikon Japan currently lists only four DSLR cameras on their website, the D6, the D850, the D780, and the D7500. Regional Nikon websites may vary based on their inventory. So uh, we had talked about this before. Like I said, the D500 is a thing of the past. So if you were looking to get one, you might want to grab one of the few left on Amazon or possibly at a regional retailer in your area before they are completely gone. Once they are, then the only way you're going to get one is to buy a used one. Next up, the Nikon Nikkor ZMC 105mm f2.8 VRS macro lens is finally in stock in the U.S. and Canada. Update, sold out in the U.S. already. This is from February 1st. The Nikon Nikkor ZMC 105mm f2.8 VRS macro lens is finally in stock in the U.S. and Canada, but then it quickly sold out at Adorama, B&H, Amazon, Camera Canada does still have it in stock. So if you want to get one of these lenses, you better pull the trigger quick at Camera Canada or you're going to miss them completely. And we have no way of knowing when they're going to be in stock again. Remember, they're still going through parts, logistics, supply issues, and semiconductor shortage issues due to the global pandemic. Next up, Nikon price increases coming to Northern Europe on April 1st. Just like Canon, Nikon will increase their price in Northern Europe on April 1st. I am not sure about the extent of the upcoming price increase, but given the current economic situation with inflation, increased shipping costs, chip shortages, COVID, etc., I think it is fair to assume that the price increase will hit all regions, maybe some sooner than later. The good news, the Nikon Z9 is excluded from the price increase for now. If I remember correctly, the last Nikon price increase was in 2018. So this, in a way, so in a way, this is fair. Here is the full text of the price increase note. Click for a larger view. From February 1st from Nikon UK, uh, dear Nikon customer, we'd like to inform you that with effect from April 1st, 2022, Nikon Northern Europe will be implementing a price increase on all imaging cameras and lenses. This will exclude sports optics accessories and certain new products such as the Z9. Following a period of severe disruption in global supply chain, we have experienced continued cost increases for component parts and logistics charges. Whilst we have explored all options to absorb these costs to maintain production on these lines moving forward, we are regrettably having to increase prices. We appreciate that such adjustments present significant challenges for our retail partners and photographers and assure you we have not taken this decision lightly. Stock continues to remain in limited supply, and unfortunately for orders placed from today, we do not expect the majority to be delivered before the price increase takes effect. To ensure that we are supporting you in a fair and equitable manner, the following process will, will apply. All stock on back order as of 31st of January will be honored at the old pricing. Stock which is ordered from 1st of February and invoiced before 31st March be honored at the old pricing. New pricing will apply to all orders from February 1st that are invoiced on or after the 1st of April.
In order to ensure a smooth transition, we will be implementing a new recommended pricing list as of 21 February. All recommended price and cost pricing details will be communicated to you by the 15th of February. Any orders placed from the 1st of February that are still remaining on the Nikon system as of the 1st of April will be repriced automatically. Many thanks for your continued support. Your account managers will work together with you to ensure that we all have the necessary information. And again, it's not a big surprise, and I would not be shocked if this price increase moves to the United States next, if it hasn't already. I haven't heard anything about increased Nikon pricing in the U.S. yet, but I have a feeling that's one of the things that will be coming next. Next up, 2021 final full year SEPA numbers. SEPA Camera and Imaging Product Associates in Japan published their latest camera pro, uh, production data for 2021. The orange is 2021, black 2020, blue 2019. 2021 final full year SEPA numbers. Mirrorless now had a 59% unit share of ILCs and a 78% shipped value share of DSLRs plus mirrorless. Based on the first 11 months of 2021 and last year's shipping patterns, we last predicted a full year estimate of 5.346 to 5.432 million ILC units shipped compared to 2020, which had 5. 308 million, 2019 with 8.462 million, 2018 with 10.76 million, and 2017 with 11.68 million. 2021 came in at 5.348 million units, so 2021 came in just about 40,000 units above 2020. How much of this is because of pandemic-related supply issues and the chip shortage, and how much of it is because of lower demand is open to question. Canon had predicted a full fiscal year industry estimate of 6 million units, and they claimed they'd take 50% of that, but they estimated too high. Full year 2021 units and shipped value, all comparisons to the full year of 2020. DSLR units, 2.242 million, down 5.6%. DSLR shipped value, 91.3 billion yen, down 5.6%. Mirrorless units, 3.106 million, up 6%. Mirrorless ship value, 325 billion yen, up 31%. Compact units, 3.103 million, down 16%. Compact ship value, 73.10 billion yen, down 4%. Lenses for smaller than 35 millimeter units, 4.964 million, down 8%. Lenses for smaller than 35 millimeter ship value, 77.1 billion yen, up point are up 1%. Lenses for 35 millimeter and larger units, 4.586 million, up 27%. Lenses for 35mm and larger shipped value, 263.2 billion yen, up 49%. So that's impressive. Cumulative 2021 mirrorless unit share of mirrorless plus DSLR, 58.1%, was 553 in 2020. Cumulative 2021 mirrorless ship value share, 78%, was 71.9 in 2020. The ratio of lenses shipped to body shipped is 1.78 for 2021. It was 1.71 for 2020. Full year 2021 geographic share, DSLR units, China 11.4%, Asia not including China or Japan 13.1%, Japan 3.7%, Europe 38.1%, Americas 31.9%, other 
Shipped value, China, 18.9%. Asia, not including China or Japan, 14.9%. Japan, 5%. Europe, 32.5%. America is 26.9%. Other is 1.8%. Now, on the mirrorless side, units, China, 22.4%. Asia, not including China or Japan, 14.2%. Japan, 9.8%. Europe, 24.2%. America's 25.8%. Others, 3.6%. So, as you can see, in the Americas, with uh, mirrorless versus DSLR, a lot more sale, or considerably more sales than Europe. Uh, shipped value, China, 25%. Asia, not including China or Japan, 14.4%. Japan, 8.6%. Europe, 21.2%. America's 26.8%. Other at 4.1%. For compact cameras, units, China, 8.1%. Asia, not including China or Japan, 9.3%. Japan, 25.6%. Europe, 31.4%. America's 22.4%. Other is 3.3%. Shipped value, China, 13%. Asia, 10.6%, uh, Japan, 19.2%, Europe, 30.9%, America's 23.3%, and other at 3%. Now for lenses, units, China, 16.2, Asia, 12.3, Japan, 8.3, Europe, 30%, America, 30.2%, other 3%. Shipped value, China, 18.4, Asia, 12.5, Japan, 9.4, Europe, 26.6, America's 29.1, and other is 3.9. So America did beat Europe again on the ship value for lenses, as well as the units. Uh, we beat Europe by just a little bit, 0.2%. But on the ship value, we beat Europe by almost 3%. Ah, so that is interesting, and that is the numbers for 2021 from SEPA. Next up, no, oh no, hell is frozen over. Tony Northrup is giving us 10 reasons why the Nikon Z9 is better than the Sony A1. Oh no, hell is frozen over. Here is Tony Northrup giving us his one are giving his 1.5 million followers 10 reasons why the Nikon Z9 camera is better than the Sony A1. Number one, top LCD screen. Two, tilting screen both ways. Three, dual CF Express Type B. Four, 120 frames per second. Five, ISO of 64. Six, built-in GPS. Seven, time auto set. Eight, big LCD screen. Nine, illuminated buttons. And ten, the price. And if you want to, you can watch uh, Tony's uh, video on YouTube that covers this topic. I'm not really surprised to see Tony say that the Nikon Z9 is better than the Sony A1. Tony was a Nikon shooter for many, many years in the DSLR world, so it's not all that shocking. Now, the one that is interesting, to me anyways, is Jared Poland. He was also a longtime Nikon supporter and only a year or so ago switched to using all Sony for his personal photography and cinematography. And even though he says the Nikon Z9 is a great camera, it did not quite do enough to catch up with the Canon R3 or the Sony Alpha 1. So he is not jumping ship. So I'm a little bit surprised, that, not shocked, but a little bit surprised that Tony uh, thinks it's better. Now, granted, the Z9 is cheaper than the A1, but... There's still a lot of things where a lot of portions of the technology where Nikon just still is not catching up with Canon or Sony. Not yet, anyways. 
Next up, Nikon's consolidated financial forecast has been revised upward again. Nikon issued a notice regarding their last revision of the consolidated financial forecast for the fiscal year ending March 31, 2022. Consolidated results have remained on a trend stronger than in the previous forecast. As a result, the consolidated financial forecast has been revised upwards again from the last financial report back in November. Here is the full text. Uh, quote, the company's consolidated results have remained on a trend stronger than that in the previous forecast. In the imaging products business, supply and demand for cameras and lenses, including newly released mirrorless cameras, are found to be tighter than expected. Meanwhile, is the in the precision equipment business system maintenance and other service-related businesses remain solid for both FPD and semiconductor lithography systems. Further, in the healthcare business, sales volumes of biological microscopes and retinal imaging systems are expected to exceed the forecast. In the components business, sales of such products as EUV-related components and optical parts are expected to grow more than previously expected against the backdrop of the brisk semiconductor market. In light of these circumstances, the consolidated financial forecast for the fiscal year ending March 31, 2022, announced on October 29, 2021, has been revised upwards as shown in the above chart. Update, as a result, the Nikon stock price is up almost 8% today. So that's definitely some good news for Nikon. And I hope they do continue to turn things around, as I've said many times before. Next up from Nikon Rumors, Nikon USA rebates for February. For February, Nikon USA has rebates only on a few DSL lenses for F-mount at Adorama and B&H Photo. Here are the details. The Nikkor 28mm f1.4, $200 off. The 35mm 1.4, $150 off. The 58mm 1.4, $150 off. The 85mm f1.8, $50 off. And the Nikkor 105mm f1.4, $200 off. You can find all of those lenses at Adorama, Amazon, and B&H. The Nikon camera discounts, I believe, are unchanged at Adorama and B&H. Update is Part of their deal zone, B&H Today has another CF Express deal. The Delkin 2TB CF Express Type B memory card is $450 off. Now, that was on February 3rd, so you've probably already missed that on the CF Express card. But I did want to let you know, just so you can get a feel of the kind of sales that B&H has been having lately. They and Adorama have been having tons of sales and specials. I get the emails pretty much daily on stuff <laughs> with both companies. Next up, new Nikon Nikkor Z85mm f1.2 S lens patent with defocus control. A new patent application surfaced online in Japan yesterday, P2022-21154A for a Nikkor Z85mm f1.2 lens. Several different designs are described in the patent application. See the diagrams above. Here are the details for the one lens design. Focal length of 84.7 millimeters, an aperture FNO of F1.22. Angle of view is 28.42 degrees. Image height is 21.60 millimeters. Overall length is 134.82 millimeters with a back focus of 11.46 millimeters. 
What's most interesting is the purpose of the patent is to build a lens with defocus control, control of the spherical aberration. Like the older Nikon AF DC Nikkor 105 F2D and the Nikkor AF DC Nikkor 135mm F2D and the Canon RFDS lenses with defocus smoothing. Indeed, paragraph 57 summary begins as follows, and this is translated. Quote, problem to provide an optical system which has a plurality of focusing states with different aberration amounts at a given shooting distance and which can control a given aberration amount without affecting the focusing. Uh, other key points of the numerical examples described in the patent application include extremely low axial dispersion, which can be considered to be at apochromatic level from f2 onwards i apologize low contrast at the edges of the frame at f1.2 suitable for portraits very high resolution in the center area once stopped down to f2 the path of the light rays is quite strongly deflected by the last bioconvex lens before the iris l17 in the lens diagrams achieving nominal performance will require very careful assembly in this area the Nikkor Z 85mm f1.2 lens S-line is on the latest Nikon mirrorless lens roadmap, and I expect the lens to be announced soon, maybe even this month, at the CP Plus show in Japan. So I guess we'll have to wait and see, but that does sound like a very exciting new portrait lens coming from Nikon. Next up, Nikon Q3 financial results. Summary for the third quarter of the year, ending March 31st, 2022. Uh, revenue, 133.3 billion yen. Operating profit, 14.8 billion yen. Revenue down, 17.3 billion yen. Operating profit year over year surpassed by 4.9 billion yen. Q1 to Q3 actual revenue 406.3 billion operating profit 46.9 billion year over year revenue surpassed by 80.1 billion operating profit surpassed by 83.6 billion uh, let's see Nikon released their financial results for the third quarter ending in March 2022 and here are the numbers in the imaging division and the charts are in there so that you can look at them for yourself. Next is the forecast for the entire financial year ending this March. The full financial statement can be downloaded at the accompanying link. So I won't bore you with reading all of it, but it does look like Nikon, as I said a moment ago, is really starting to turn things around. And I hope they continue this upward trend. And last up from Nikon rumors for this week. Nikon issued a warning about suspicious emails being sent to YouTube and Facebook channel owners in imitating Nikon public relations. Nikon UK issued a warning about suspicious emails being sent to YouTube and Facebook channel owners imitating Nikon public relations. Warning regarding suspicious emails. It has come to our attention that people pretending to be Nikon representatives are contacting YouTube and Facebook channel owners via email. The fraudulent correspondents generally carry Nikon's name and or refer to the Nikon Public Relations Department requesting that the recipient produce a video using a Nikon camera or offer sponsorship opportunities. These emails bear no relation to Nikon or any members of the Nikon group. In light of the increasing frequency of these incidents, Nikon would like to raise awareness of the fact that third parties representing themselves as Nikon may attempt to gain personal or financial information and exploit it for financial gain. Please note only official correspondence regarding existing or potential collaborations will come from an official Nikon company email address ending in at Nikon.com. 
Alternative, alternatively, you may also be contacted from one of our agency partners. To verify they are official, we suggest you search for their web presence to check for the following signs. They are legitimate. The website is secure. By looking at the address bar to see if there's an S in the URL, it should look like this, HTTPS colon slash slash whatever at the start, or if it has a lock symbol in the address bar. The presence of contact details or official distributor details, the presence of a privacy policy, such as a request to accept cookies, details of how your data is used, details of their work with Nikon, a logo, or a case study. Signs that suggest they are fraudulent, the absence of any of the above, poor spelling and grammar, including in the domain name, broken links or no additional links to other pages on the site. If in doubt, please do not reply, click on any link, or provide any information without confirming its legitimacy. Instead, please re uh, reach out to your local Nikon Public Relations representative to verify the correspondence. Their details can be found in the press inquiry section of the Nikon website, or you can reach out to Nikon through our social media platforms. Our verified channels will have a blue tick. A similar message is also posted on the main Nikon website, warning people as well. So just so you know, there are fraudsters out there that are trying to steal information and financial data. So be wary, folks. The world's not as safe as it used to be, even on the Internet. All right, now we're going to take a short break and then we'll head on over to Fuji Rumors to see what Patrick has for us this week. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191, and you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com, and you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. So now we're heading on over to Fuji Rumors to see what Patrick has in store for us for this week. First up, Fujifilm Instax Mini Evo in stock and already a bestseller. The Fujifilm Instax Mini Evo is right now in stock at Amazon US via third party at the time of this post. I expect it to be available very soon, also at BH Photo. It is also available at various European Amazon stores such as Amazon Denmark, Amazon UK, Amazon Italian, Amazon France, and Amazon Spain. The Fujifilm Instax Mini Evo is arguably one of the most sold Fujifilm digital cameras of the last 10 years. It's available in Asia since a few months, and it sold so much that helped to dethrone Sony from the second spot in digital camera sales in Japan after 19 years, and it will probably make Fujifilm Imaging Division fly in their next financial report. As to expect, it's already marked as a top seller at B&H Photo here in Amazon US here. B&H Photo has also the first reviews on their website available at the accompanying link. The Instax Mini Evo in the USA is available at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. The Instax Mini Evo in Europe at Amazon Denmark, Calumet Denmark, Amazon UK, Amazon Italy, Amazon France, and Amazon Spain. So, looks like that's a popular little camera. 
Next up, expected price and specs of upcoming Fujifilm X-Mount Sigma 16mm f1.4, 30mm f1.4, 56mm 1.4 DCDN Contemporary. Fuji Rumors has already informed you that the upcoming Sigma X-Mount autofocus lenses will be the Sigma 16 1.4, the 30 1.4, and the 56 1.4, all DCDN contemporary lenses. Since not everybody is familiar with the Sigma system, and I already started to receive emails asking me if these were new lenses, pretty much as the Tamron 18-300 f3.5-6.3 was when it was launched for X-Mount. I feel I need to clarify that these Sigma DCDN lenses already exist for other mirrorless mounts. So first, here is a Mini Sigma abbreviation guide. DC lenses stands for APS-C, DN lenses designated for mirrorless, contemporary featuring the very latest technology and combining optical performance with compactness. The price range for the above-mentioned lenses for other mounts goes from $339 to $479 depending on the lens, and it remains consistent across the various mount options. Hence, it is safe to assume that also Fujifilm X-Mount versions will cost about the same and also have basically the same specs. So let's take a closer look at them. The Sigma 16mm f1.4 DCDN Contemporary, which is available at B&H Photo, Amazon, US, and Adorama. APS-C format, 24mm, 35mm equivalent. I don't know why he says that if it's a 16mm lens. I'm a little bit confused on that. Uh, aperture range of f1.4 to f16, two SLD elements, three FLD elements, two spherical elements, super multi-coating layer, uh, stepping motor, AF system, weather seal construction, rounded nine blade diaphragm. You can get the full product details and images at the accompanying link with a price of 449. The Sigma 30mm uh, APS-C format, 45mm, 35mm equivalent. Again, I'm not sure why he's saying that if they're supposed to be 16, 30, and 56. So I'm a little bit confused by that. Uh, aperture range of f1.4 to f16, two spherical elements, one high refractive index element, super multi-layer coating, stepping motor AF system, rounded nine-blade diaphragm with a price of 339 the Sigma 56mm APS-C format, 84mm, 35mm equivalent. Aperture range F1.4 to F16, one SLD element, two spherical elements, two uh, super multi-layer coating, stepping motor AF system, weather seal construction with rounded nine-blade diaphragm with a price of 479 there is one more DCDN lens in the Sigma range, the new and lovely Sigma 18-50 f2.8 DCDN, but if my sources are accurate, this lens will not be part of the Sigma X-Mount launch party. However, I should not break Sigma's bank to offer one for X-Mount 2 at a later stage, so let's hope for that. Not a rumor, just a hope of mine, so keep that in mind. Um... Okay, okay, I get it now. So reading this, the 24 millimeter equivalent on the 16, that's what it would be if it was 35 millimeter. So, um, which is kind of odd because it would seem if they were APS-C lenses, they would only be listed as 16 millimeter. You know what I'm saying? I'm still a little bit thrown off by that article. I might have to shoot Patrick an email and ask him on that. But anyways, let's head on over to the next story. Next up, medium format, not worth it, and nothing magical. Fujifilm X-H2 in May from full-framed APS-C for landscape, top 10 January posts. 
Here are the top 10 articles for January. Avatar 2, first official photos taken with Fujifilm X-Series gear. Two is the Fujifilm GFX 100S versus Canon R6. Is medium format worth it? This guy says no, and my thoughts. Three, breaking Fujifilm X-H2 with 26 megapixels coming in 2022. And now the big question is... Four, as Fujifilm confirms, long wait for Fujifilm X-H2 is almost over, coming in May of 2022. Five, is breaking, Fujifilm announces X-Summit in May with fifth-generation X-Series camera, the Fujifilm X-H2. Six, DP Review TV, there's nothing magical about medium format depth of field and not even about full frame or APS-C. Seven, from full frame to Fujifilm APS-C, six years later as a full-time landscape photographer. Eight, these guys sold their Canon gear to switch to Fujifilm X, and here's why. Nine, Fujifilm X-H2 announcement in May and celebrating 10 years of Fujifilm X-Series. And the 10th top most read article is Fujifilm X-T3 Silver, marked as discontinued. Let me explain what's going on. So those were the top stories on Fuji Rumors for the month of January. Next up, important notice, firmware bug on Fujifilm X GFX cameras can block access to files saved on SD cards, fix coming shortly. From February 2nd, 2022, Fujifilm Corporation, Fujifilm has identified a firmware incompatibility between specific X and GFX series cameras listed below. This incompatibility can result in macOS users being unable to directly access files if they were initially saved to an SDXC memory cards in camera. To address this anomaly, Fujifilm is creating a firmware patch, which is expected to be available for free download by X-Series and GFX system users soon. In the interim, please review the following information carefully for further information and recommended next steps. Firmware incompatibility overview, X-Series and GFX system cameras affected, the model that does not depend on the firmware version. Uh, GFX 100, the GFX 100S, the 50S2, the X-Pro3, X-T4, X-S10, X-E4, X-T32, and X-100V. The models that depend on the firmware version, the GFX 50S version 4 or later, the 50R version 2 or later, and the X-T3 version 3.20 or later. Memory cards affected, SDXC memory cards, computer operating system affected, macOS only, the incompatibility does not affect Windows users. Four, about the incompatibility. While the current firmware version allows these X and GFX series cameras to internally write and store 9,999 frames to a single folder, it has been observed that if more than 4,000 files are written in camera to a single folder on an SDXC card and directly accessed using macOS, the firmware incompatibility creates two potential scenarios. One, some files on the memory card may become inaccessible if the card has been connected to the computer through an internal or external memory card reader and directly accessed using macOS. Two, if the memory card is not ejected correctly from a computer using macOS, there is a likelihood that data may be lost. If the same card is directly connected and accessed a second time using macOS. However, risk of data loss in this situation can be prevented by the following proper ejection procedures for macOS operating system. If the proper procedures are followed, no data will be lost. However, files will still remain inaccessible when attempting to directly access data on the memory card using macOS. The number of frames or images does not correlate to the total number of files because one image can potentially create three files if the user is utilizing JPEG, RAW, and voice memo in making one image. 
Two, for more information related to properly ejecting SD memory cards from macOS, please refer to the official Apple website as of February 2nd, 2022. The instructions are as follows. To eject an SD card, drag the icon that represents the card to the trash. After the icon disappears from your desktop, you can remove the card from the slot. Don't remove a card while... Uh, that's weird. Always wake your computer and eject SD cards before removing it from your Mac. Three, Fujifilm is not responsible for any loss of use, images, files, data, or other information in connection with the use of Fujifilm products caused by the above improper ejection procedures. Addressing the firmware incompatibility to address this issue, Fujifilm is developing a firmware patch that will limit the number of files that can be written to a single folder. This patch is expected to be available for free download by X-Series and GFX system users soon. In the interim, consumers using macOS to directly access files saved to an SDXE memory cards by the specified uh, specific Fujifilm X and GFX series cameras listed above are encouraged to. If you're writing or using a new or recently formatted SDXE memory card, do not save files for more than 1,000 frames in camera to any folder. Once the number of frames reaches 1,000, create a new folder using the folder selection function in the setup menu of the camera and save additional frames to the new folder. If using an SDXE memory card with existing files or one that has not been recently formatted, uh, one, directly connect your camera to the computer operating Mac OS via USB to directly access your files. Two, if there are no movie files larger than four gigabytes in the folder, all files can be transferred to the computer operating Mac OS. Please note that movie files larger than four gigabytes will be shown as 4.29 gigabytes on Mac OS, regardless of its actual file size. If there are movie files larger than 4 gigabytes in the folder, download all files except the movie files to the computer operating Mac OS. Afterwards, disconnect the USB cable from the computer and follow the procedures below. Please refer to the options below to download the movie files larger than 4 gigabytes. If you're using a Windows computer, directly access the SDXE memory card from the computer operating Windows through internal external card reader. Download those movie files of more than four gigabytes to a computer operating Windows and eject the SD card from the card reader. Format the SDXE card already possessed or above card with the camera. Insert the formatted SDXE card to Windows computer with internal external card reader and copy those movie files to the memory card. Insert the SDXE card, which the movie files of more than four gigabytes occupied are copied to the computer operating Mac OS with internal external reader and download them. Using a dual slot camera, dual slot cameras, all models of GFX series and cameras like X-Pro3, X-T4 and X-T3, put the SDXE memory card with the movie files of more than one slot, a card slot and the one formatted card into the other card slot and copy those files to the formatted SDXE memory card. Use an internal or external card reader to directly access and download the movie files to a computer operating Mac OS. And four, when all files are fully downloaded from the SDXE memory card to the computer operating Mac OS, please format the memory card and follow the suggested guidelines from section one if using a new or recently formatted card. If you do not have a Windows PC or a dual slot camera, please contact Fujifilm customer service in your region. Thank you for your understanding for being and for being part of the Fujifilm community. Mac and Mac OS are trademarks of Apple in the USA and other countries. Windows is a registered trademark of Microsoft Corporation in the USA 
and other countries. So I did get this email myself a day or two ago from Fujifilm. Um, so I'm being wary of it. Uh, luckily, I generally never write more than 4,000 files to a single folder on my SDXC memory cards. So I've never had this issue with my GFX50R. Knock on wood, hopefully I won't before the bug fix comes out. Next up in stock, Fujifilm GFX100S at B&H Photo. It finally happened after a bit over a year. The Fujifilm GFX100S is now in stock at B&H Photo. The 100S is a rare good to find in stock still today, so if you are interested, maybe it's best not to delay further. I own the GFX100S, and if you all dream of... And if all you dream of is the best possible image quality at a reasonable price size package, then look no further than the 100S. The 100S can be ordered at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, Focus Camera, and Moment for $5,999. And I'm still wishing I could pull together the cash to get one myself. I want that camera really bad, and I'm jealous that Patrick already has one. So yes, I'm talking to you, Patrick. Next up, Sigma versus Zeiss Tuit X-Mount, why Sigma is making the same error Zeiss did. After we broke the rumors about the upcoming Sigma X-Mount autofocus lenses, there were some comments predicting for the Sigma X-Mount Trinity, the same faith of the Zeiss Tuit X-Mount Trinity, low sales. Why? Because the X-Mount Sigma 16mm f1.4, the 30mm, and the 56mm would be too close in terms of focal length and aperture to what Fujifilm is already offering. Meaning the Fujinon XF16, the XF33, and the XF56, uh, those are a 1.4, 1.4, and 1.2. Well, I don't agree. I mean, maybe I'd also have hope for Sigma to offer us lenses that close, close some gaps in the current Fujinon X lineup. However, I can also understand that for Sigma, it just makes sense to start with something they already have and adapt it for the Fujifilm X mount. But I'd not be so pessimistic about the upcoming Sigma X-Mount Trinity. Look, the Zeiss Tuit lenses had a price tag that was higher than the one of the competing XF Fujinon lenses, but at the same time did not offer necessarily better image quality. However, if Sigma keeps the same price tag they currently have for other mounts, also for their X-Mount versions, then they'd come in at a more affordable price than the Fujinon lenses and still offer a very nice image quality. This changes things quite a bit in favor of Sigma compared to Zeiss. And in fact, one just has to look at the success of Viltrox AFX mount lenses, which are also close in terms of specs to existing Fujinon lenses, but still sell well because they are gently priced. So for now, I'd not be so pessimistic. It's nice to see Sigma joining the X mount with whatever lenses they want. And then let's hope that down the road, they will offer more lenses, maybe also some that close gaps in the current X-Mount lineup. And I do have to agree with Patrick there 100%. That's something you got to keep in mind, folks. Zeiss lenses are not cheap. So Zeiss lenses for the X-Mount not selling well is not all that shocking because the Zeiss lenses are more expensive than the Fuji lenses and they don't offer any improvement in image quality. So why would people blow their money on more expensive lenses to get the same image quality they could get cheaper from the Fujifilm X-Mount lenses? It makes much more sense for Sigma to get in the game because they can sell the lenses for the same price they sell these lenses in other mounts, which is cheaper than Fuji's, and the image quality is close to the same 
there, it's a win-win for the consumer and for Sigma. So it does make absolute sense that the Sigma lenses will be a lot more successful than the Zeiss ones. Next up, save up to 500 euros on Fujinon GF lenses, GFX full-frame trade-in deal, and X-T4 three savings in Europe. New deals are spreading all over Europe in addition to the ones already running. As usual, there might be a slight difference according to different European countries, but often they more or less match each other. I will list below the deals for Germany and the UK. GF lens deals in Germany, which end March 31st. The GF 30mm F35 RWR save 300 euros. The GF 45 F2.8 RWR save 300 euros. The GF 50mm F35 RLMWR save 200 euros. The GF 63mm F2.8 RWR save 300. The GF 110mm F2 RLMWR save 500 uh, the GF 120mm F4 RLM OIS WR Macro Alphabet Soup Lens, say 500. The GF 32-64 F4 RLM WR, say 500. GFX trade-in deal, trade-in selected full-frame medium format cameras and get $300 off on top of your trade-in value if you purchase a GFX 50S Mark II or $500 on top of your trade-in value if you get the GFX 100S. Deals available at official retailers like Calumet, Germany. List of qualified full-frame trade-in gear can be found at the accompanying link. X-T4 and 3 deals end March 31st. X-T4 body save $200 at Calumet DE and Amazon DE. The X-T4 with the XF18-55 kit save $200. The X-T4 with the XF16-80 kit save $200. The X-T3 with the FX or XF18 to 55 2.8 kit, save 100. The X-T3 with the XF16 to 80 millimeter F4, save 100. And the X-T3 with the XF18 to 55 2.8 to 4 RLM OIS, plus the XF55 to 200 OS kit, save $100. Okay, so now for the UK, full list of X and GFX deals here, and March 31st. The GF 30mm F3.5 RWR save 250. The 45mm save 250. The 50mm save 170. The GF 63 save 250. The GF 110 save 420. The GF 120 F4 save 420. The GF 32 to 64 F4 save 420. The GFX 100S up to 470 trade in bonus. The GFX 50S2 up to 270 trade in bonus. Save 150 pounds on the following lenses when bought with the GFX 50S Mark II body only. The GF 63, the GF 32 to 64, the GF 110, or the GF 30. Save 450 pounds on the following lenses when bought with the GFX 100S, the GF 63mm, the GF 32-64, the GF 110, and the GF 30. X-Gear XS10, save $100, uh, or 100 uh, pounds, excuse me. The X-T4 body only or with XF18-55 or XF16-80, save 150 pounds. The X-T3 body or with XF18-55 or XF16-80, save 100 pounds. So a lot of deals to be had on Fujifilm gear in Europe right now. Next up, oops, I did it again. I bought my dream lens and here is why. I failed. This is from Patrick. I tried but failed, and I failed in less than 48 hours. 
I am afraid too many of you guys know what I know what I talk about, try to resist gear acquisition syndrome. It all started February 1st when Fujifilm launched new deals here in Italy and all over Europe, and to my surprise, the deals included one of my top three Fujifilm items on my 2022 wish list. Less than 48 hours after the launch of deals, I found myself at my local photography store, my credit card flying over the sales counter, and in my bag, a box containing the Fujinon GF50mm 3.5. And don't worry, my wife approved this purchase. Now all I need is her approval also for my other two Fuji Dream Gears in 2022, meeting this camera and this lens, which you can click the links to see what they are. I am happy I failed. Here is why I bought it, and I am so excited about this lens. As you know, last year I bought into the Fujifilm GFX system by treating myself with a Fujifilm GFX 100S and a Fujinon GF32-64 f4. My main application for this wonderful combo is landscape photography. So how is that working out? Well, my go-to bag for hiking is my uh, Cam Slinger Outdoor. I love the practicality of it to a point, and I won't buy gear for landscape photography that does not fit in here. And despite having a sensor about 70% larger than full frame, the GFX 100S with the GF32-64 f4 still fits. So for me, this combo is compact enough, and I can easily make my usual four to six hour hike with the GFX 100S and the 32-64 on my hips. Why do I say this? Because I want to make clear that I don't perceive the GFX 100S with the 32-64 is too big for the purpose of landscape photography, especially considering what it is, a 100 megapixel medium format system that I can carry around all day on my hips. It's frankly amazing. But while it is a surprising compact combo for the purpose of landscape photography, the GFX 100S combined with the GF32-64 f4 is not small enough for my taste to bring it with me more casual, for more casual shooting. May it be for my street photography or to document my family life. By getting the Fujinon GF 50mm f3.5 though, the whole combo gets substantially smaller and lighter making it much more portable and easier to pick also for casual photography. And to be clear, my well-equipped APS-C system is and remains king when it comes to flexibility, performance, and value for the money. I still take my X system with me on hikes, on my travels, on my day trips with family, and I also blindly trust in crucial moments like when I had to photograph my first wedding. But owning the GF53.5 simply makes uh, gives me more options and opportunities to pick up my 100S more often if I want to. I am very happy with my purchase, and I can't wait to use it uh, comprehensively starting this weekend. We, my family, and myself are probably going down, uh, going to the town of Ceremone this Saturday. I have never been there and can't wait to test my new lens in such a wonderful little lake town. You can buy the Fujifilm GFX 100S at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, Focus Camera, and Moment. The 32-64 at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. You can get the Fujinon GF 50mm f3.5 at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, and Focus Camera. Okay, so, Patrick, congratulations on finally getting that lens. That was the one thing I could hold over your head, son, was the fact that you beat me to the 100S 
but I beat you by a long shot to the 50R. That was the very first lens I got with my GFX 50R. So congratulations on your purchase. I'm sure you'll love that lens. I absolutely love mine. And even with the GFX 50R, it does help make it a very compact and lightweight system to carry around all day. I've definitely been absolutely thrilled with that setup myself. Next up from Fuji Rumors, compared Sigma 16 f1.4, Fuji uh, Fujinon XF 16 1.4, Sigma 30 millimeter 1.4 versus the XF 33 1.4, and the Sigma 56 1.4 versus the XF 56 1.2. We told you about the upcoming X-Mount Sigma lenses that we don't believe will suffer the same fate as the X-Mount Zeiss II at Trinity. The main reason, as I mentioned before, the Zeiss are a lot more expensive. On the other hand, the Sigma X-Mount lenses will come in at a sensible, sensibly lower price tag than their Fujinon XF competitors and probably at the same time offer very excellent image quality as well. Well, today I'd like to go a bit more in depth and compare some of the other specs thanks to this very useful B&H photo comparison tool. The Sigma 16mm f1.4 versus the Fujinon XF16 1.4. The Sigma is 55% more affordable than the Fujinon lens. The Fujinon is 7.5% lighter than the Sigma. The Fujinon has better close focus distance capability, 15 centimeters versus 25. Full specs comparison can be downloaded as far as filter size, optical design, etc. For the Sigma 30 versus the XF33, the Sigma is 58% more affordable than the Fujinon lens. The Sigma is 26% lighter. Both have the same close focus distance capability of 30 centimeters. Full specs uh, comparing filter size, optical design, etc. can be downloaded at the accompanying link. For the Sigma 56mm versus the XF56, the Sigma is 52% more affordable than the Fujinon. The Sigma is 31% lighter than the Fujinon. The Sigma has better close focus distance capability, 50 centimeters versus 70. And the full specs can be downloaded at the accompanying link. Now, given the gentle price and probably also great performance, I believe the Sigma X-Mount lenses could potentially be an attractive option for many Fuji X shooters. What I believe could be the biggest deal breaker is not that they are too close to existing Fujinon lenses, but that all the Sigma lenses mentioned above do not have an aperture ring, which is something many of us love and consider a key part of the Fuji X shooter experience. At least for me, like this, so much so that I sold my original XF27 2.8 to get the new one just to have an aperture ring on the lens. But other than that, I am happy Sigma joins the X-Mount with whatever lenses they want, and I look forward to more of them in the future. And for me, I don't know. I do like the aperture ring on my GFX gear, the lenses that have it. Um, it's not a, a make or break thing for me as far as what lens I would buy for Fujifilm. I consider image quality and price more important than whether or not it has an aperture ring. So if I do decide to move to X series with a XT4 or two, I would probably be looking to get the Sigma lenses just because I know Sigma has been making phenomenal lenses for the last quite a few years now. And if there's are, you know, half the price of the Fujinon lenses, then I'm going to buy the Sigmas and I'll be perfectly fine with them not having an aperture ring. Like I said, the aperture ring is not a make or break thing for me. I'm more concerned about the price, the value, 
you know, and the image quality. So if the image quality on the Sigma is pretty much as good as it is on the Fuji lenses, I'm going to go with the Sigmas so I can buy more lenses with the same amount of money. Ah, maybe that's just me, but that's how I look at it. And last from Fuji Rumors for this week, Seafrost XF18 1.4 review. Quote, this lens must have traveled back in time for some technological advanced, from some technologically advanced future. All right, so Christopher Frost reviews the XF18 F1.4 RLMWR, and he seems to be moderately satisfied with the performance of this lens. In short, gorgeous build quality, second to none. Manual focus turns smoothly but responds jerky. Fast autofocus and completely silent. Very small lens for such a well-build and fast lens. Spectacular sharpness all over the frame from center to corner, even at f1.4. One of the sharpest APS-C lenses he has ever seen. What an achievement by Fujifilm. Negligible distortion at f1.4, strong vignetting, close-up image quality at f1.4 is excellent, almost no camera smearing, bokeh looks lovely and smooth, even at 1.4, no real chromatic aberration. Fuji performs some magic trick. He feels this lens fell from a spaceship or has been transported back in time from some technologically advanced future. It is virtually perfect, much better image quality than the XF 16mm f1.4, stellar optics, and highly recommended. And you can watch his video on his YouTube channel at the link uh, in this article in the show notes so you can check it out for yourself. All right, that's going to wrap up Fuji rumors for this week. So now we're going to head on over to Sony Alpha rumors and see what he has for us. First up from Sony Alpha Rumors for this week, Sony Q3 financial reports as expected less camera sales but forecast gets revised upwards. Sony published the full Q3 financial re uh, reports, which you can click on in the show notes. As expected, Sony sold slightly less cameras compared to last year, Q3, but this was to be expected due to the sensor supply issues. The good news is that the forecast has been revised upwards, so that is definitely some good news for Sony. Next up, Sigma will announce the new 20mm f2.0 DGDN lens on February 9th at 2100 JST. Sigma will announce this new full frame E-mount lens on January 9th. Uh, there are a couple of or there are a couple of YouTube videos here if you want to check them out for yourself. I don't have much more information on the lens at this time, but at f2 it sounds like it will be probably a popular lens, although 20 millimeters is kind of an odd uh, focal length, if you ask me. I would be more interested in either a 24, or if you want to go super wide, a 12 or 14 millimeter. But maybe that's just me. I don't know. Sony shooters may look at it differently. Next up, Petapixel, a look inside Sony's camera center at the 2022 Winter Olympics. Petapixel shared an exclusive insight on Sony's camera center, quote, at the Sony counter here in Beijing, not only can you get your cameras cleaned and some repairs on site, but a peek behind the service counter reveals a stunning array of cameras and lenses ready to be loaned out at no cost. Didlick explains, Sony has prepared to loan over 250 cameras and 600 lenses to photographers reporting on the Olympic Games. The Sony Depot here has 41 local staff working shifts under 
uh, BOCOG's strict COVID-19 guidelines support with another 30 team members worldwide online ready to help photographers working under tight deadlines in all the time zones around the world, he added. And you can see his report at the accompanying link in this article in the show notes. Next up, 80% off on the Projects Pro Complete Collection photo editing software from German Francis Company. The software is made by German engineers is now 80% off on the product page. You can see all the features and also try out the software for free. Next up, Sony Europe launched a new cash back and trade in bonus deal. Uh, Sony Europe started a ton of new deals you can find on their accompanying pages in Germany at Calumet DE, Photocotch DE, Photo Earnhardt DE, in the UK at Wex UK and Park Cameras, and the Netherlands at Calumet NL. So you can head on over to those sites to check out what kind of deals and trade-ins they have going on. Next up, also Laowa will announce new lenses at CP+. Citron, the company that sells Laowa and, and Camelon lenses in Japan, unveiled that both brands will unveil new lenses at the CP Plus show. No information yet on what kind of lenses we might be getting. Next up, Sony A7 IV now in stock at Adorama. The A7 IV is now in stock at Adorama, and Adorama also posted this article with the list of best lenses for the A7 IV. Today only, you save 250% on the Zeiss Battis 85mm f1.8 lens. Now, this is from February 3rd, but you can still check on the deal because a lot of times they'll say it's deal of the day, but if it's a popular sale, they may extend it for an extra day or two. Now, the price was $999. You're saving $250 off the original price, which was $1249.99. So you can still check that out, see if it is still available. Next up, the Lawa 45mm F095 and 85 F56 2 to 1 macro tested at Sony Alpha Blog. The Lawa 45mm review at Sony Alpha Blog, quote, overall, the Lawa provides very good results, but at a price tag quite above the others without providing major improvements over its competitors. And on the 85mm f5.6 2 to 1 macro, they say, quote, the Laowa 85 f5.6 is, glo uh, is globally a very good macro lens. Not the best possible 2 to 1, but offering a lens that is very discreet, light, and small with excellent sharpness and very good color rendering. If you want a more versatile lens than the Laowa 100mm f2.8 macro for almost the same price, will allow you to shoot portraits with small depth of field but with much bigger, but it will be much bigger and heavier. So keep that in mind. Next up, Ukrainian spy drone crashed in Belarus, and it shows uh, it used a Sony A5100 with a 25 millimeter f5.6 7 artisans lens. A Chinese military fan account on Weibo shared these pics. It shows a Ukrainian spy drone that crashed in Belarus. Inside, you find the Sony A5100 with a 25mm f5.6 7 artisan lens. At 25mm, this thing had really, to, uh, had really to fly very close to the targets to take decent shots. Update, it's debatable if this is a real Ukrainian drone or if it's a propaganda piece from Belarus. So... I removed the comment system because of the many political comments. All I wanted was to discuss what they use, that they used a very old Sony camera with a quite curious lens to take spy shots. 
Yeah, I would be leery on whether or not that would be a true story. It sounds to me more like propaganda. Next up, Curiosity, the Zeiss ZX-1 is now available on the Chinese market, but limited to only 22 units. The Chinese camera news site, Camera Beta reports, quote, the Zeiss ZX-1 camera is finally on sale in China. The asking price is 45,981, and the amount is only 22 units. Some stores like B&H Photo have the camera in stock right now. I would be I would be so curious to know how many units Zeiss sold worldwide. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of weird that they'd only offer 22 units in China. And last up from Sony Alpha Rumors for this week, Canon EOS R3 versus Nikon Z9 versus Sony A1 flagship mirrorless comparison by DP Review TV. What the Sony A1 really needs now is a price cut to better compete against the newer competition. That said, I'm damn curious to see what the A1 can do when it is released. Oh, A12 can do when it's released in early 2023. And you can check out their video for yourself, the flagship mirrorless shootout. Although I'm not sure why they called it that, because Canon has already stated that the R3 is not their flagship body, that they will be releasing a flagship body, hopefully announcing it at least by the end of this year. And that wraps up all the news and rumors for this week. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap episode 222 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. Also, remind you to swing by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, comment on them, like them, share them out on social media, hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops, and I will see you all again on Thursday.